Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Practice day. Kalu, Kalei. Yeah, today we are talking about Bandersnatch, uh, the latest uh, episode of Black Mirror on Netflix. Uh, a lot of folks are talking about it, and we decided to give it a shot and talk about it ourselves. Yeah. Now, one thing that's interesting about this particular episode of Black Mirror is that it is a more or less branching narrative, uh, kind of a choose-your-own-adventure style. Yeah, a lot of people are describing it as a RPG or a video game. Mm-hmm, which is really interesting because the show itself is about a young man who is creating a video game that uses branching paths uh, in, a, in an age where... Where <laughs> in an in an age where uh, branching paths were pretty much relegated to things like Zork, Zork. He's he's actually making a graphic video game mm-hmm. with branching paths. So yeah, unlike Zork or Hitchhiker's Guide, mm-hmm. uh, this one is it's it's visual. It's almost like a, a screen loading. Well, like they kind of had that, like a uh, wizardry back in the back in the the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. We had wizardry and Ultima, mm-hmm. but a little bit more ambitious than that, I guess. Yeah, it had a uh, very much also some of the old Dungeons and Dragons uh, early uh, video games had that same kind of uh, navigation through a maze. Yeah, that's kind of, in real time. There, there was only a couple of screenshots of the actual game in the video. Um, it, it actually, it, it had that old school, like six, not even sixteen bit <laughs> graphic style. Uh, almost like um, what's that game that that my kids play? Um, on, with the with the fucking flower. Um, I don't know that one. Undertale. Undertale. It almost kind of looks like like Undertale, like that. Those really, really dated graphics of of you know bitmaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sprites and things like that. But it takes place in the in the early '80s, so it's supposed mm-hmm. to like that. It's supposed to have that retro feel, um, you know, kind of along the same lines as Stranger Things or you know that kind of hyper nostalgia but in, in this case as has been pointed out to us by our friends from across the pond it's very nostalgic if you're british mm-hmm. and not so much if you're not right right because because in the uk where this episode is set uh the they were undergoing a bit of a boom in games and game programming rather where america at the time was kind of in a lull Right, and, and and like a lot of the, the just the cultural references that you get from this show are, the, I mean, it's it's a British show. Why they should have British cultural references? That should be their touchstones. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that is going to like kind of go over the head of the American audience. So the hook that um, you have with things like Stranger Things isn't as um, tempting of a hook, I guess, uh, for. For, for Americans. Right. Because that wasn't our 80s. Not mm-hmm. that Strange Things was our 80s, but it was more of, of our 80s than uh, 
than Bandersnatches. Right. That might have been Nathan Carson's 80s. <laughs> Stranger Things. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think Nathan Carson's 80s had a lot more underground explosions. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we'll uh, include a link in the description. We were actually sent a uh, YouTube documentary on, uh, or documentary rather, documentary. What am I doing? You you like are speaking my kind of English now. Yeah, well, we've been doing this for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, we'll include that link in the description so you can catch some of the um, the the references uh, to 1980s UK uh, gaming culture. And and even even to the fact where the presenter offers several uh, char- uh, characters in that scene that uh, could be where the characters in the show were based. Yeah, it's 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 weird that like the the touchstones that that Bandersnatch hits upon, like even the musical touchstones, like uh, the, the, he's listening to the Thompson Twins mm-hmm. and um, uh, what was the other one? The, was it the Pet Shop Boys? Uh, you could pick up Pet Shop Boys record. Uh, I think, or that was on the list. Yeah, somewhere. it was like it was all these '80s bands that um, were around and were on MTV and you had heard of, mm-hmm. um, but that they weren't like the big ones that people listen to. Even if not that that wasn't my scene, I didn't listen to that kind of music. Mm-hmm. But but even like the people who did that was kind of like the fringe of it, you know, right? where, where, you know, people who were listening to synth pop and stuff were more like, you know, you got more mainstream stuff like wham or, or what have you. Mm. I'm probably going to get lambasted for putting wham and the pet shop boys in the same category, mm-hmm. but I was a metalhead in the eighties. So what am I right. Doing? Right. Now, did you, then that, Interestingly enough, the early branching paths, right, seem to be completely inane. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you chose what cereal the guy ate. Uh, you chose what music he listened to on the bus. Um, now, here's the question for me. For when, he, when he sat down in his room and started coding, what record did you pick? Um, I don't know. They were both... Um... They were Alan Parsons records, right? Uh, one, one was uh, Tangerine Dream. Or maybe it was Tangerine Dream. Right. And I, think then, I had two Tangerine Dream albums, and I picked the, a random one because I, I don't listen to that. Mm. It was like a to me, it was a non-choice because I didn't care. Like right. a lot of those early um, choices that you have, I like the real me would not have made any of those choices. True, um, you know, I, it's just you know it, it's it's one of my complaints mm-hmm. um, about this, and we'll get into like that later. Um, but a lot of the early choices, and and I guess they were superficial things, and I don't know how much they affected the story or right. not. What what series you had, what you know, music you listened to on the bus you were listening to when you decided to start coding that kind of thing were just inane and I, and I get why they make why they were there because later on one of it, it, it's part of the the major theme of the mm-hmm. show and the show does actually go a little bit deeper than choose your own adventure mm-hmm. <clears throat> it does 
because it is it is at its uh, essence a science fiction horror show. Right. So of course you know all of this this the novelty of the approach to Bandersnatch you know has to tie into the actual episode itself. And I thought that was a really good creative choice was to actually include the mechanic of the show into the actual narrative of the show. Yeah, it was very go to Lesher Bach. Mm-hmm. Another um, another uh, blast from that time period. Mm-hmm. Now, we mentioned a lot of the, the the references to the heyday of British programming in in, in video games, um, but you don't really need to have a firm background in that history to un- to really enjoy this episode. I watched it before I watched the um, the documentary on on British coding. Um, and really, if you're a fan of things like Philip K. Dick or Aldous Huxley gets a shout out, um, that kind of like reality isn't exactly what you think it is sort of narrative, you know, you don't have to know anything about video games in the eighties to uh, appreciate this show. No, that just, that is just the, um, I guess the shell that it's wrapped in, Mm -hmm. um, just just to give you you know it has to the story has to hang on something right and it's a clever way of doing it because now i mean a, if you go and sit down and put on fallout or elder scrolls or whatever I mean, branching choices in a video game don't matter anymore because that's all all like adventure games are like that mm-hmm. um and and the better ones your choices quote unquote matter Right. To uh, what events you're going to experience when you're playing the game, and even the the outcome of the endings that you get when you're playing the game. Uh, famously, we have um, the Silent Hill series is famous mm-hmm. for that. Right. Uh, um, Mass Effect is infamous for that. Right. Uh, as well as their Star Wars um, Knights of the Old Republic. Knights yeah, a lot of the Bioware titles. Yeah. So that to us. You know, as 20, 21st century people, that's old hat. But in 1982 or three or whenever this is supposedly taking place, that's a new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, your video games were, and they specifically call out this video game, Pac-Man. That mm-hmm. kind of thing where you do the same actions over and over again. Um, you know, with, and, and the levels are you clear the level, get to the next level, clear the level, get to the next level. Right. And the levels and it's like two or three different types of level design that are just repeated in different color schemes. Donkey Kong is that way. Even like mm-hmm. Mario. Defender, Mario Brothers. Yeah. So so this idea of a, of a branching video game like that is definitely revolutionary in the mm-hmm. context of the show. A graphically a graphically driven video game because games like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Zork, um, I think they referenced uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I guess it like must have been a Lord of the Rings one at some point. Right. So the general plot is this young man, he's, a, he's an aspiring video game designer, um, wants to adapt this book called Bandersnatch, which is the largest fucking choose-your-own-adventure book I have ever fucking seen. It's as thick as Dune. Yeah, I mean, this thing is huge. 
and and he wants to faithfully recreate it uh, in in a video game, right? Which is kind of cool. Hmm. Um. He do, he he does it. I, I guess the 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 author of that um, book, the Choose Your Own Adventure book, is infamous for having like just gone off the rails and killed his wife mm-hmm. uh, before the. During the completion of the book, I guess he just snapped. Right. And uh, so he's he's sort of a cult figure. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And and they use that to kind of fuck with you as the viewer slash player. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some really clever instances of it. I don't know about you, but my first like real choice was mm-hmm. was um okay so when you you. He he has he's the plot is he he he's creating this game and he has an interview with a big company, right? Um, who want who are thinking about you know funding him to to code this game for that, and he goes there and he meets his idol like this great fucking coder, right, this this hot shot game designer coder who's not much older than he is, right? Who's really weird, yeah. But um, they're talking about the game. And the book comes up, and no one's ever heard of this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so your first real choice is... Um, uh, do you want to do this Work in the in office? office do or... it in the office with a team, or do you want to go and just do it at home? And I chose to work in the office with a team. Mm-hmm. And, so uh, and, and you, you end up failing at that point. Mm-hmm. That was the the end of the movie at that point, right? But then they they say your character, we'll just call him your character, says I'm going to do it again, and and it goes back to to that um, decision to that decision, right? And then you make it again, but the second time you go there, your idol um, tells you that the author is uh, the like his greatest hero. Mm-hmm. So this great coder, the reality has changed from, I don't know who that is to, Oh yeah, he's fantastic. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's, he's my favorite. And he knows all about him. And, and yeah, that first, that first failure affects the story. Right. And, and all of, I, I can't say all of your choices, but a number of your choices work this way is you end up like ending the show and you go back to a point where where like a crux decision and and things change slightly not not like huge amounts of change mm-hmm. but very subtle things like uh, an author becoming known as opposed to just unknown and, or infamous mm-hmm. um so that that was kind of cool right and then we have one choice where we can either go see our psychiatrist or um, follow the hotshot coder home. Right. Who is this uh, kind of a? We find out that not only is he this rock star coder, um, but he's also a bit of a psychonaut. He's a filthy hippie. Yeah. <laughs> but um, hence the tangerine dream in the record list that he gives him. Uh, and you, he takes you to his house, and you go into his office. His office, which is a bunch of—he called them pews, but it's a bunch of comfortable couches. Uh, they smoke some pot, they dose some acid, and he goes off and tells you pretty much 
the underlying story behind the entire episode. Right. And this is where it kind of gets interesting um, because they talk about multiple realities and how your, how any choice you make, you know, splits off different realities, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what happens when you're, when you're playing the show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) it gets a little old. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there is a correct ending. Right. Um, And until you get that correct ending. You're forced to make the choice again. Yeah. You just keep on going, keep on going. It is um, a really good metaphor for Buddhism, I think. (laughs) Kind of. Well, I mean, you're so sick of 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 doing it. You just want to get the fuck off and stop being reincarnated. <laughs> so you like play the game the way it's supposed to be played, and then and then you're out. Then it ends. You can go cook dinner. Right. <laughs> right. That was the one thing that kind of bothered me was that yeah, the the forced going back when you made a wrong decision or quote unquote wrong decision. Right. Um. Because it just rewound and it replayed all the like, it was a highlight reel, and then you took you back to the decision. Right. And some decisions, you know, really in the great scheme of things, didn't matter. However, I thought it was interesting when you did the psychedelic part of the the show, and I that was probably my favorite part. Um, I thought things were going to get really wild there for a second. Certain choice that you make. Um, actually removes a character from the rest of the narrative. Well, and and that's the thing is I first did not remove that character from the narrative. Mm-hmm. I removed myself from the narrative. Um, not, unknowingly, it wasn't. I wasn't at the point where I was just like, let me off this fucking ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went back, and you got to the point where you do remove him permanently, uh, even to the point where you go back again. Because you fuck something up and you go back again and you have no, your character in game has no idea of this psychedelic incident because you eventually go to the psychiatrist and that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you go back into the office and he's gone. Just gone. And no one knows why. Yeah. But you as the, as the, as the watcher, you know why. Right. You know why. Um, the character knows why. Because he still has the memory. He's in in a way, in a way, it's kind of like you're playing a flash narrative. Because your your character that 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 you're controlling, the the avatar of you in the film, sort of. Um, co- keeps coming back, and he's remembering more and more of your previous choices as the film goes on, and that becomes part of that that you know multiple timelines, multiple realities, and you know every once in a while, you know you see Barry Allen poke around the corner there, and hi, yeah, nice timeline you got. You shame somebody ruined it. To me, it was more like playing. You are a you're playing the same module multiple times. Mm-hmm. You know what has happened up to a point in that mm-hmm. module. 
So you make you metagame. Yeah. And just make uh, the decisions opposite to what killed you. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is what you actually do when you play Choose Your Own Adventure. Don't tell me you don't do it because everyone does it. <laughs> what, flip through the book? Keep no, no, no. Page you, where it splits. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You die and you go back and and uh continue on. Right? Well, I used to play I used to read those the choose your own adventure books and I would the first time I did it, I would always do a, like a cold read through and just, you know, pick the path and wherever it led me. Then on the second read through is when I would metagame and cheat and right. and go back and pick the uh choices that I liked. Yeah. <laughs> right. With your finger on the page. Yeah, it's totally uh it's totally about metagaming and cheating and, and these things, which is kind of clever, I guess, because you know, every I think everyone did that. And I mm-hmm. and I think maybe it's like a little nod and a wink to that in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think about the fourth wall break? Uh, that's around the time when I was just like, you know what, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a fourth wall break. You got a fourth wall break with product placement. Uh, oh my god! I, I, you know, I was, I was, they give you some choices, and one of the choices was Netflix mm-hmm. or something else. And right, like, he's yeah. having he's he's off his meds. He's having this this delusion. He's realizing that someone is in control yes. of these these choices he's making. He's having a complete and utter existential breakdown. And he screams out, who is there? And you can either pick the branching uh, choice symbol. Which I actually did at one point. Right, I did as well. Or and it came back. And after you did that, it came back and Netflix was a, was a possibility. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that just kind of floors you. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of funny. I'll pick Netflix. Right. And then it just turns into like this god-awful action sequence. Right. Don't you think they want more? Action, yeah, and of course, I yeah, I decided, fuck yeah, but I just didn't, yeah, because because really, once once it got to that point where it started getting like cutesy meta, mm-hmm. right? Wall, um, that's pretty much when I I was like, you know what, fuck this, I just want to, I want this to end. Right. And that's when I actively started trying to figure out how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I think you feel the same a bit of the same frustration as the main character, which really is kind of a, a, a highlight of an interactive story like that is that you feel the same exasperation that he did, except mm, you don't you don't was, end up in the same path. No, mine. To tell you the truth, my exasperation was more like I got to finish this because we're doing a show on it, right? Because if we weren't doing the show at that point, I probably would have just turned it off. Mm. Be yeah, honest. because because the yeah, the gag did get a little bit old. Um especially when when scenario they would take you so far and then it would backtrack you because you know, it's like, hey, you know, some choices of the movie should just end. Yeah. And I think it would have been more effective if it had ended and ended and then you had to do it again. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot less people would see it to the correct ending. Um had that been the case. Um, and I actually had toyed with the idea of just putting down the controller and just letting it play through on its own and see what happens. What, with no choices? With, well, with whatever the default choice on the screen was. 
So now that's the other thing is different, um, different viewing um, apparatuses had different ways of choosing. So I used my PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So it was it had a default. It had the you know you had your two choices under the letterbox, mm-hmm. um, and and the, usually the one on the right was highlighted. Okay. Um, and and the controller started vibrating. To mm-hmm. let you know it's time for a choice, and they gave you what thirty seconds to make the choice. Uh, I think it's like ten seconds. Or ten seconds to make or fifteen whatever. or something like that. It was a really short period of time. Um, I watched it on PC, and there were no choices highlighted by default. So you had to move the mouse over and click a choice. Yeah. So and and I did notice that when I made a choice and it was the wrong choice, um, that the other choice would be highlighted if they gave you the same two choices. The other thing is sometimes you went back and you didn't have the same choices. Right. Occasionally you didn't have the same choices, but sometimes, sometimes, you know, in your case, it was highlighted. I had a couple of choices where, um, the one of them was just gone and you only had one choice to remain remaining. That was like a yes or no. Like the first choice that you make about, um, no, that was still there. There was one where you were, ta- I think you were talking to your shrink and you went through and you did a yes and it played through to the ending, backed up. And the next time that choice came around, there was only one option. You could Is only that pick. the one with the backstory where you're, where you give the backstory about your mom, how your mom I, died? Yeah, I think so. I think I, so. I read in an article that that um, was one of the choices that it kept coming back to until you got the backstory until you, mm-hmm. your choice made that backstory happen. Uh, and which, you know, you got to force it because that's, that's part of the key of the whole thing. That particular scene is key. And if you, if, if you don't have that option or you, you weasel yourself around that option and it never shows up, you can't get out of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's true. You, you get stuck in like a feedback loop sort of thing. Because, yeah, you have to know the backstory in order to make a few choices down the line. Uh, particularly the climax of the movie revolves all around knowing the backstory. Exactly. So at, at certain points, you have these um, choices that really are your agency is taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, it's not like a perfect thing. But you know what? Nothing is. Um, you know, as a GM, you know, sometimes you have to railroad to get things done. Right. You have to, you have to go with the railroad. Also, I have toyed, um, several times in the, in the past couple of years, uh, with writing a story that has a branching narrative, like a choose your own adventure. I've tried several different types of software. I've tried it in text adventure games. I've tried it in, uh, choose your own adventure style um you know click on the choice that you want to make it's very similar except it's just text um and i can tell you i I, you know i feel where this kid was coming from and where the author of that massive fucking book was coming from because that is kind of a pain in the ass if you let yourself get distracted in in any way because um you know i can only imagine that writing a book the size of bandersnatch appeared in the in the in the film a, a thick fucking book it wasn't like you, know you said it, it was okay. about the size of dune right. and so I, if you have a paperback copy 
same time period of um i think it's the cornelius chronicles michael moorcock's uh, spy thrillers mm-hmm. um he wrote there were three of them originally um uh like cure for cancer the final program and they had them all in one volume and it was like a thick like uh small the small trade i guess trade paperback is that what they're mm. called yeah yeah the really small ones <laughs> and it was like it was almost thicker than it was tall but mm. that's what this thing looked like yeah it was uh possibly thicker than my copy of plato's republic or uh the collected lord of the rings <laughs> Yeah, I mean it was it was it was huge. It was huge. And and having that experience just trying to do this on on in a digital medium, you know, I I really felt for, you know, I got understand why these guys were going insane because it's a daunting task to to write a a, you know, good-sized branching narrative with where you have to consider, okay, how am I going to change? How is these are these choices going to actually affect the narrative that I want to tell? Yes. So all in all, did you like it or or not? All in all, I I did enjoy it because I I do kind of like that kind of mind fuck type of thing that was going on with it. Uh, doors of perception, alternate timelines, uh, parallel realities, and all that sort of thing. You know that that really got to me. Um, but I think that um, I think that it could have been done more, a little more effectively. I think that uh, some of the choices that led to an ending should have just ended uh, once you got to a certain point. That you know where you would have to almost replay the game to or rewatch the the, the episode to eventually get to the right ending so you could watch it and you get effectively maybe three maybe four episodes out of it um as opposed to being forced to rewind until you pick the right thing to get to the ending yeah that that really frustrated me because um you know i don't have the attention span to or the time mm-hmm. to sit and watch something for you know longer than movie length right right and oftentimes i'll stop a movie and you know go do stuff and watch it the next day or the day after mm-hmm. um and this you really can't do that i mean like maybe you can it's hard to tell because i didn't right um, but and i think if you if you put it down and came back to it it would lose some of its effectiveness right um so just just that that really like I was a little hotter when I came off of it than I am now. And I had a chance to think about like some of the, the positive aspects of it, but mm-hmm. the way they, they played with that really was just kind of, I thought it was kind of cheap. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you, you know, you had this gimmick of choices and, but overall you were on rails. Yeah. There, there's, and, and, you know, it's the medium it's, you know, call it what you want. It's still television. I don't care how, how interactive it is. It's mm-hmm. still, you have a limited amount of images and sounds that were recorded. Mm-hmm. So you, 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 you know, what you're working with is, is, is limited. There's nothing you can do about that. Right. Um, I did like the, the way that it layered um, its themes. 
um, in different levels of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the most obvious one is the, the, you know, he's working on a branching narrative in a medium that is, that is a branching narrative while it's criticizing the, um, you know, the illusion of free will in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool how they, you know, how they strung themes through different levels was was cool and the parallels between um like you said um you as a as the player slash watcher and the um the protagonist mm-hmm. slash puppet right yeah. and sometimes he didn't do what you told him to do no no there was a couple times where he was resisting what you did and no, that did dash that fucking computer <laughs> right right <laughs> You know, you know, bite your damn nails, kid. <laughs> really, I had him pull his ear. Oh, really? I, 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 you didn't I, do that either. No. <laughs> but it, it was an interesting choice that seemed completely mundane at the time. It's like, okay, why am I making this choice? And then because it was at a point in the narrative it made it that his resistance to that choice did did strike an interesting little bit of drama there. Yeah, because he does that a couple of times, but not enough to really war, wear out that gag. Right. Well, and and I think as you become more aware uh, uh, that you are controlled, mm-hmm. that your that your will is not your own, um, you start to to. Um, you know, think of of ways to defy that. Um, interesting. In um, in a uh, Molly Tanzer's current novel, uh, Creatures of Will and Temper, there's a similar thing. Wanton Ruin. Or Wanton Ruin. Sorry, Wanton Ruin. Sorry, Molly. Um, there's a similar thing that happens at the end where the, one of the characters um, doesn't is unsure whether her will is her own at, Mm -hmm. at some point. So she actually takes active steps, drastic steps um, to ensure that um, her choices up to a point are her own. Mm -hmm. And she would know when her will ceases to be her own. Now, as an aside, I'm looking at our camera feed and no one who listens to this will be able to see it. But uh, in my thumbnail, I have like this fucking death stroke thing going on. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's a perfect metaphor for really for what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Half of his face is bathed in light and half of his is shrouded in shadow. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of funny looking. I'll uh, grab a screenshot or something and post it up. That way you guys can see it. Or I'll edit this part out. Who knows? you decide that's right (laughs) yes yes definitely um would now the other thing this is their first attempt i know netflix has has they say that like they've had kids programming that's like this uh yeah there was an episode of um puss in boots that was a, a choose-your-own-adventure style. However, they did it in the proper choose-your-own-adventure style where you got, you know, the change, the choices that you made led to a final ending, credits rolled, 
And then after the credits, it gave you the option of going back and trying a different choice. Okay. So this is like the, the first attempt. Mm-hmm. And I think this can go somewhere. Um, and it would be interesting to see this as a, as a new form of entertain kind of new form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for those of us who, who are in the know, they used to have laser discs that did this. Mm-hmm. Crappy laser discs, uh, live action video games. Mm-hmm. Or even to a point of that was the primary mechanic of Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Oh, well, that was all timing. Mm-hmm. That was timing. Now, uh, choose your own adventure. The actual, you know, copyrighted choose your own adventure thing has a role playing game. Oddly enough, mm-hmm. um, House of Danger, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, it's it's card based, isn't it? Yes, and uh, it's very fun. And they have a mechanic where you can go back <laughs> to a point. Um, you know, it costs, but they have a mechanic where you can go back to a to a point before you end the chapter and uh you know redo things mm, interesting so even even the people who invented the genre know everyone cheats <laughs> true everyone everyone metagames everyone metagames but uh yeah there were a lot of great you know there was a, like a big heyday of that because there was the fighting fantasy books uh wizards warriors and you um, I think that I have a couple of Batman ones from fairly recently that I bought for Logan. Mm-hmm. I bought for Logan. Right. <laughs> Quote, unquote, the the wonders of being a parent is buying toys for your kids that are actually for yourself. Right. Well, the child has never given a rat's ass about superheroes ever in his entire life. Yeah, I bought these for you. Yeah. They're Batman. Do you know who else likes Batman? Your old man. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, Chaosium, our, our um, nemesis slash um, best friends. Our frenemies. Frenemies. Chaosium has a, <laughs> a number of, um, thank you, of choose your own adventure, for lack of a better term, adventures. Mm-hmm. It's called Cthulhu. Right, um, and the starter set is Alone Against the Flames. Alone Against the Flames, Alone Against the Dark, um, and then there have been some that were published by other companies, but for use with Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. So, like, this whole um, single-player choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing is not new um, in terms of gaming. I guess maybe um, Netflix is just seeing the potential for it. Perhaps, perhaps, and maybe it'll it'll open the doorway since this particular uh, project was kind of a technological horror type of scenario. Maybe we will see something along the lines of Alone Against the Flames or Alone right. Against the Dark adapted into this type of format. Like so spy you thriller, spy thrillers, uh, fantasy, whatever. But I think it's also would probably be a very expensive. Yes. Genre of entertainment. I you gotta think I don't know how much it costs to film this thing. Um probably the entire budget of the season because it's the only episode. <laughs> that is true. Um well it's the only one on Netflix. I don't know right. if that Black Mirror comes out on BBC or not. Mm, 
I don't know. I think it's. I think it's by now. It's strictly for Netflix. Well, because the, well, a lot of the stuff we get as as you know branded Netflix as originals, Netflix yeah, are are you know just shows from other countries that Netflix has the license to. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, in the case of, uh, I think it's a show called The Last Kingdom that Mia watches quite often. Um, there was a television series in the UK, but by the time they got to the third season, the network didn't want it anymore. But uh, the fans on Netflix wanted it, so Netflix paid for the next season. Right. So like like um, Futurama, I think that happened to Futurama. Yeah, it happened to Futurama. It's, it's happened to a couple of things where they've where Netflix has gone in and, you know, because they already have the Netflix original license, they just go ahead and take it over and spend their infinite pile of money to to make the next season. That's right. Maybe they should rescue their own shows and, and do Daredevil and Iron Fist. <laughs> well, they still gotta they still gotta buy that life. Dig. <laughs> and Sorry. I don't think I don't think Marvel Studios is going to uh be yeah, handing know. out licenses like they did in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. But that was <sighs> Bandersnatch. Um so overall, would you recommend people checking it out? Yeah, you got to check it out just for the novelty of it, mm-hmm. at the very least. And yeah, it does have like it makes a few cool uh, philosophical points. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I still actually kind of want to go and just like let it ride and see what happens if you just let it ride. Yeah, you can try that. I I definitely would recommend it because it is a ride. Um, and yeah, it's one of those types of things. Just like you said, just for the novelty of it. Um, if you're into something that's kind of surreal um, and kind of uh, mind fuggy, yeah, give it a try. <clears throat> There's definitely going to be people out there who are going to watch it um, because they're told to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, caveat in tour. Yes. I'm not going to tell you to watch it. I'm going to say if you want to, if, if that's your thing. Watch it if you like ex- experimental television. Yeah, watch it if you like Black Mirror. You'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, now, it, now I would not recommend it if you're if you're a passive watcher who's going to put on something and have it playing in the background while you're making dinner, or, you know, knitting a scarf or something like that. That's how you I know, watch because TV. because it is it is one of the few programs where you have to actively watch. Um, you know, for years and years and years, I think Netflix and cable itself, uh, but primarily Netflix has engaged in this model of the passive watch. Um, then, to the point where they ask you if you're still around. Right, Are, right, exactly. Are you still watching? You can, you can put on a series and it'll run like five episodes and it'll go, Are you still watching? Steve, are you still there? Right, and it's, there, there's no time limit on it. So you could go to the bathroom and come back and the message will still be there. Are you still watching? Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> I what are, what episode are we on? That's happened to me a couple times at work because I've just put on a show for the in the background and uh, just let it run and look up because I don't hear anything anymore and it's asking me if I want to continue and I was like, what episode are we on? And and then the boss will come in and like, what episode are we on? And I'm like, uh, six, <laughs> seven. I I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to remember how many times I heard the theme song. 
Thank you, Netflix. Oh, I skip over the theme song. Well, that implies active watching. As soon as it says skip. Oh, that's barely. That's like reach over and hit the X button on the remote. Right. Well, you know, I keep the remotes at arm's length and and do my do my job while it's on, so I don't even bother about skipping the intros. <laughs> that's funny. But, uh, yeah. So yeah, there it is. Uh, definitely uh, an, an interesting experience, uh, an interesting concept. I would definitely call this a high concept piece. Yeah, definitely uh, for for, it's, for television. It's definitely art. Um, and and really a, a kind of a, a commentary on the paradigm of Netflix itself, um, as we just discussed, passive watching, as opposed to active watching. Yeah, it's. It's definitely if if you are if you read Google Escher Bach mm-hmm. and thought that was the best thing since sliced cheese, watch Bandersnatch. You'll love it. Mm-hmm. If you read Google Escher Bach and thought it was a bunch of bullshit, you will not like Bandersnatch. Right. And if you haven't read Google Escher Bach, flip a coin, man. <laughs> All right. So that's that's Bandersnatch. Uh, check it out for what it is. And until next time, keep 30. Keep 30.